Hi, I'm Anka and this is the place to be to hear about the latest Web3 trends in healthcare. We sometimes hear that the pharmaceutical industry is slow to adopt blockchain solutions, that the value of this technology is not well understood and that it fails to deliver on its promises. Well, PharmaLedger is proof that these assumptions are not necessarily true. Welcome into the MetaHealth. PharmaLedger is a 36-month project that brings together 12 global pharmaceutical companies and 17 public and private entities. The goal of the project is to provide a platform that supports the design and adoption of blockchain-enabled healthcare solutions for the entire ecosystem. I have been a huge fan of this project ever since it started three years ago, so you can only imagine how excited I was to have PharmaLedger on the show. With me are Daniel Fritz, Executive Director of the PharmaLedger Association, and Marco Cuomo, Lead Architect of PharmaLedger. Welcome both to the show. Thanks very much, Anka. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks also from my side. As we are reaching the end of the project in December 2022, can you give the audience a brief overview of what PharmaLedger has accomplished over the past three years? Okay, sure. I'll, I'll start. So the project's actually been running for almost three years, but uh, the preparation and the planning for the project extend back to 2018. So we're coming actually up on five years. And I think some of the, the biggest accomplishments, you know, first we had to build a consortium. We had to put together like-minded partners in the industry and kind of achieve consensus on a common vision of what we wanted to do with this project. So that, that's a necessary prerequisite for any kind of, um, you know, consortium building, but it's, um, it was also a big achievement to, to get the 12 companies um, basically on the same sheet of music. In 2019, we came together with the public partners. At that time, we had 17 public partners. Now we actually have 18 public partners because we recently added one, which we can also talk about later. Uh, and we did extensive planning of the project. And you know, so a detailed project plan, all of the deliverables, the different work packages, the, the efforts and, and everything. And that, that, was very, that was time very well spent because uh, we were able to basically jump into the project at the start of 2020 uh, with a plan to execute. And we've been executing the last three years. And basically, you know, what we've been doing is, is um, defining different use cases in, in healthcare um, and then developing demonstrators and then basically validating that um, a blockchain-enabled approach is bringing, um, you know, something much better than what original or uh, traditional technologies would provide. So those, those have been developed, they've been demonstrated, we've done explainer videos for them in YouTube, um, we've shown them at conferences, and we've ultimately selected one of those um, to basically go to market with as basically the post-project strategy to continue the PharmaLedger journey. Uh, you know, in, in addition to the, to the use cases, we um, knew that this post-project phase is critical because we need a governance and operations type of uh, entity to oversee this, not to be a central authority, you know, or something, but to basically just to facilitate 
um, this. And in addition to that, we had um, regulatory, legal, data privacy aspects covered in the project. We also had awareness and dissemination in the project. And of course, we had the architecture, which um, Marco leads, um, defining uh, basically a common platform for which all of the different use cases could, could lead. Pharma Ledger is set to deliver an open blockchain platform by the end of the project. Can you explain what you mean by an open blockchain platform and who will be able to use it and how? From the very beginning, um, even before the project, we, it was very clear to us that we cannot say there will be one blockchain protocol or technology and every, the whole healthcare industry and life science industry has to use it. That would be for several reasons not possible, not, makes no sense. First of all, the technology evolves. So you stuck then with the technology decision five years ago. And second, you will have so many players. They will not all agree in one or the other way for one protocol at the end. So that, that was a high risk for us. So what we said from the very beginning, each use case or group of use cases, they define their own technology protocol and also whether they use an own public network or a private network or a hybrid network, whatever makes sense for that use case or product, as we call it now, that gives more flexibility. So um, certain use cases maybe are more interested in high throughput. Other use cases need maybe some features, which, which uh, another use case not needs. So you can really fine-tune whatever you need. So that, that is basically our foundation, our primary approach. Then we also said it's an enterprise blockchain. So we're not doing crypto, we're not doing um, NFTs or other like, things like that, although the basic principles are available, but our main goal is an enterprise solution. So that's about data. So um, how, how do we manage data? Um, as a good practice, we say uh, we don't store data directly on the blockchain. For Also here again, regulatory reasons, GDPR, or performance reasons, or other reasons. We do, as a principle, we say we do everything off-chain. And so we, we introduced here a technology, which is all, was already developed uh, years before in other European projects, starting from research in 2010, evolved. And that's something called data sharing units. Um, it's called open data sharing units. Uh, in that sense, it, it's, it's solving all the problems you have when you store data outside the chain, off-chain. So the identity, the encryption, security, etc., and so forth. So that is a kind of a middleware which we introduced. And, and the benefit of that is, in addition, we abstract the platforms, uh, the blockchain-specific technologies. So the developers... They can focus on their solution and they use basically the open DSU middleware layer to store they da their data. And the middleware layer does all the magic, putting the, we call that anchors on the blockchain, the data encrypted in the file and in, um, in a storage place, whatever that is. So th that's, that's what we also call open. So each use case, which is joining and um, pharma ledger, they can decide their own blockchain technology. And the next thing is also whatever we did or everything we did is open source. So the, the, the middleware layer is open source, the application on top of it is open source. That also means if someone is interested 
in that technology but not want to join Pharma Ledger for whatever reasons, they can take the technology and build their own network. That's completely open. It's under the MIT license. So I think um, this gives the, the, the other users who doesn't want to join Pharma Ledger and benefit from the network we have with other companies, etc., they can build their own one. Or other industries can come and use that technology if they want, and they have no obligations or nothing um, to give back to us. I mean, we always hope then that the community is growing, and with a bigger, let's say, developer community, more people will develop on it, and, and the software develops faster. That's the idea behind it. But that's the platform. So... Um, um, yeah, that's why we call it open, because you can pick your technology and it's open source. The initial tagline of Pharma Ledger was blockchain-enabled healthcare. And we see now that you slowly moved away from using the word blockchain to the point where it's barely visible on the Pharma Ledger Association website. Can you explain why this change? We all started with the blockchain-enabled healthcare. That was the name of the project proposal. And, you know, during the, the whole planning phase and, and everything like that, and, and also during the initial phases of the use case development, we realized uh, this is, you know, the blockchain part of it, the technology part of it is really not the, the big thing here. You know, that may, may constitute a, a small component of the overall system. And, and the system is, we're talking about here is not just a, a, an enterprise system, it's an ecosystem. And that, you know, ultimate adoption and the true value creation is dependent upon adoption in the ecosystem. So we came across the concept of the digital trust ecosystem, uh, which, you know, a, a set of, of independent entities defined by a geography or an industry or, yeah, um, and, and that we are using a common platform for a mutually beneficial purpose. The trust component comes from being underpinned with some cryptog cryptography, and that that's the you know the blockchain enabled part of it. But um, that is really the the aim. That's the goal. The technology alone is not going to do anything. And 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 usually when you start to explain what you're trying to do with the technology, people's eyes kind of glaze over, and they they lose interest in everything. So you really have to focus on what is the problem. What is the value that this creates? What is the solution? Who needs, who is it for? And then last not least, what is the glue that keeps it together? That's the, the blockchain network, which again, is not uh, another database in the sky. Uh, it doesn't hold all the data. It's more just kind of a thin backbone that extends across the different silos, um, different organizations to provide a single source of truth. And, and ensure the integrity of the data. Maybe I can add, it was also what we learned more and more was the primary idea of the blockchain is, is not introducing blockchain. It's to say we want to be independent or decentralized. We don't want a central authority in the middle, which the blockchain technology supports to achieve. Um, so we really want to make sure that there is no one owning it uh, or in the middle or um, the middleman or authority. So that there comes the idea with the decentralized approach. And this is, I think, reflected in what we call now the digital trust ecosystem. It's, it's about the ecosystem um, um, and the, the partners are equal or 
there is no one who can dominate the others and make kind of um, decision against the will. So we had in, in our mind always a little, little bit the idea, um, don't forget we come from the side of a patient data. So the patient should be in control of his or her data. Uh, we also had the term data sovereignty or um, application or self-sovereign applications where the patient can control the data. And when you think today, the solutions we have from the big tech companies, then you are depending on them. I mean, they, they, they control your data. They can anytime um, cut you off of your data. And, and then as an industry, we don't want a solution like that. I mean, also pharma companies or other organizations, they want to be sure that they are in control of their data, same as individuals. And, and so this is the idea behind that. And that looks for us that we said blockchain-enabled healthcare, still true, but I think it's a little bit too short at the end. The, the digital trust ecosystem um, brings the idea much more. And then the technology is just one. We need also governance on top of it, which is, let's say, as, as decentralized as possible so that we not have a decentralized technology which allows it. But then on top of it, we have one person making or one institution making the decision. We also want to make sure that on the organizational decision layer, we have also, let's say, something as decentralized as possible. When I say as possible, I really mean it has to be also understood by the people. Technically, you can do a decentralized autonomous um, organizations, but I think that's a bit too much for, for now. So we, we have to go step by step. And maybe we never reach that because it makes no sense, but at least the idea goes in that direction. So in September 2022, Pharma Ledger Project announced the creation of Pharma Ledger Association, which is a non-for-profit organization that will carry forward the vision of the project. You kind of touched on that a little bit, but can you explain what the vision of the Pharma Ledger Association is now? So the, the vision of the association really is just to kind of facilitate and enable the creation of this digital trust ecosystem. I think what's probably unique about it is that we realized uh, also during the project that that for this to work, we have to show it. It's we have to prove it, and the a demonstrator is fine, but what we need are are real products that are are qualified, validated for use in uh, the in a regulated industry. So we, we started earlier this year with endorsing a strategy among the entire consortium to move forward with the creation of the Pharma Ledger Association and then to implement a, a quality management system so that we can ensure that uh, we can, you know, uh, uh, we are compliant with the qualification aspects of, of the solution. Um, the solution that we've chosen was electronic product information um, that has an impact on patient safety. So it has to be, you know, it has to do what it's intended to do. And uh, it's good that we started early because uh, this is uh, quite a complicated endeavor. Um, we're not uh, serial entrepreneurs uh, like many other people in Lachie. We've done this for the first time, but we've, we've done it on our own. The project on its own has developed and also defined the bylaws or basically the constitution of the association, which includes the membership structure, um, the funding model, 
the governance, um, the board of com you know, the board composition for the board of directors, and all of those different aspects that go into a not-for-profit association. And um, the last, uh, the last endorsement we had from the project was basically that the association uh, can be called the Farmer Ledger Association. That's not a given, right? We take the name of the project um, and can take the lead then in driving um, the the results they're called um, from the project um, into the future. It's it's not just about um, taking what uh, the project delivered, but it's also basically continuing the same type of innovation capability that we had with Farmer Ledger. So we we we're, you know we want new ideas, we want new use cases, we want members to bring uh, their ideas. We we ended up with seven. We think good use cases in the project, but we think that the best ideas are yet to come. It was built in from the beginning. We we knew that if you want to be successful, um, you cannot just stop after three years. What is the blockchain network then doing after three years? And so we knew from the beginning we need this sustainability. We need something um, to to carry on with with that, and and that it works like that. That is that is great. Would you say that turning the Pharma Ledger project into an association is sort of proof that blockchain-based projects are gaining more traction in the pharmaceutical industry, that you've reached a certain maturity level? We believe yes, because in the three years, we could build a community with the pharma companies, but also with the public partners. And this is, I would say, that successful, that it makes sense, or that we are able to move on um, or to, to carry on with the successor organization after the pharma lecture project or consortium project with the pharma lecture association and and we have to prove it that we are really successful but that we will soon see with number of members we will have at the pla the more members the more it proves that the solution we are building um is is something the industry wants and i i, I use the word solution I'm, i'm not sure if business people are really interested in how which technology we are using But the technology allows us, I guess, in a simple way to, to follow the idea of a decentralization. And given the situation in the world um, where we see this, um, the global supply chains are depending on one, let's say, organization is very dangerous or, or other situations we have with the, with the war in the Ukraine and so on, it shows a decentralized approach has on many layers makes sense and the technology we use is really helping that and i think that the, the 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 business the pharma companies they not they're not interested in the technology as such but they're interested that they can say yes it's decentralized it's not controlled by a person the money we invest is 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 is, is um sustainable will help us in the future and i think in, in that sense, I would say, yes, it's, 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 it's picking up. So going back to the solutions, the first, your, your go-to-market product is electronic product information. Can you um, explain what this use case is and what was your thought process when you decided that that was the first use case you would bring to market? EPI or electronic product information um, is basically just um, uh, accessing or a patient or a user accessing a digital version of the, the package of the leaflet 
or the, the product information insert in, in the pack. And that's a, a very simple concept, first of all. And that's, you know, one of the, the main reasons um, that we, we chose this is because you can explain this use case to, to anybody in about four seconds. You, know, you just show a picture of a patient with a, with a you know, leaflet um, in front of them and, and try to, and everybody's like, knows this, you know, if you're trying to find the information, uh, it's sometimes hard to, to navigate those things. And uh, and sometimes, many times, they are they're thrown away or or something like this. So we said, what if we can guarantee the latest approved version of that of that um, information available for that specific batch? Because every medicine pack in Europe and most of the rest of the world has a, a barcode um, on the medicine package, which um, includes the product number, the batch, the expiry, and the serial number. So it uniquely identifies it, and we call that the digital key, um, which um, makes a connection between the patient and the actual product information. In a digital version, you can get an updated product information, you know, in a matter of a few days, you know, every time it changes. In, in paper version, this can take many months before it goes through the artwork processes, printing processes, distribution, packaging processes, until it finally finds itself into the hands of the patient. So I think if we can get a digital version of that information into the hands of the patient earlier, that's that's a great um, argument to for adoption. But that is not all, the only thing. The, there's many other opportunities if we have that basic EPI um, uh, established. The one and also the use case that I led within PharmaLedger was called detecting falsified medicines, and you know we have some. Countries have a high incidence of counterfeits or falsified medicines um, in their supply chain or in their supply, which uh, have a huge impact on not only on the health of the patients, but also on the economics of the health systems there. And so with that, with that scan, we're able to perform like seven different checks on the medicine, which, you know, to, to, to basically increase the confidence that, that that's actually an authentic medicine. And, and there's many more opportunities as well. I mean, you could, could tie adherence reminders to, to that, you know, take it, take it every Monday and every Thursday. You can um, tie um, uh, adverse event reporting um, to, the, to the specific batch. Uh, you could uh, have uh, recall notifications. You, you have, I mentioned the product information updates. Uh, we, we've, envision a virtual medicine cabinet where you would be able to have a simple algorithm that determines different drug interaction issues and also from a climate perspective or from an uh, environmental perspective we the when the expiry is scanned then you could you can you know in three years in the future you could send the patient instructions on how to properly dispose of the excess medicine instead of flushing it down the toilet so there are many different things that you could do um, with uh, digital um, access with this medicine to the patient. And I think the most important aspect to all of those things, though, is that uh, we don't want to know who you are. Uh, you know, we don't want private data. We don't want personal information captured. We don't want to know who it is that is using or has what disease or anything like that. That is kind of the ultimate in private information. 
and that should not be somehow captured or compromised in any way. Um, so the only way that all of this would work, EPI is a beginning and then scanning to all these other digital services is if we can have the trust um, of the patients that um, their, their, their information is not being captured and resold or reused, or they're not getting advertisements based on um, their usage of the thing. So that, that's really kind of the um, uh, basis or the, the, the core value that we're adhering to, um, not only for EPI, but for all of the um, use cases, is that the patient is in control of their data and their identity. So how do you position the Pharma Ledger Association in the blockchain and life sciences industry? Are you Do you provide a technology for others to build on top of? Do you provide a network of stakeholders? Um, we're not a technology provider. So we are always very proud that we are not a vendor-driven um, project or consortium. We always say this is from the pharma company coming and from the public partners. There is no software company or consulting company in it. And that is, I think, our strengths. And that I, will be also in the future. So we will not be uh, driven by a, a vendor or something like that does not mean they can not join PLA. Of course, they're all welcome as long as they have something to do with the healthcare industry. But uh, we are more in the uh, in, in, in the tradition to say we, we sell a solution or we sell we offer a solution which is carried on by the community. So it's not even that the PLA decides that it's basically the community will decide and drive it. Uh, um, in which direction it will go. Yeah, I think just to add, you know, the the role, the legal form of the Pharma Ledger Salute, uh, Association uh, is um, is basically, in German, it's called a Verein. Uh, in English, it's called a club. Uh, it, it, it exists for a specific purpose, and it is comprised, basically, of its members, you know, maybe with a, a, a board of directors and, and, a, and some staff. So um, it is, it's, it's like any other club. It has a purpose. This is what we want to do. We want to, we want to support and accelerate digital transformation in healthcare. And, uh, and the, uh, it's not that the association decides what's to do, but the members themselves um, decide what to do. Every, every member is represented uh, on the General Assembly, kind of like, like the UN uh, General Assembly. And there's a, a board which is defining what the strategic direction is of the association. And all of the membership classes are, are represented um, in the board. So they have a governance role. Patient organizations, not-for-profits, non-government organizations also have um, a, a seat at the board and the opportunity to join. Um, and they don't, they don't have to pay any membership fees or anything. We do have for you know, commercial entities, for industry members or for solution or um, subject matter experts uh, out there, they, they, they do pay uh, a membership fee, but we don't believe that this is any kind of hurdle for adoption. It's designed so that um, we, want to, we want to attract new members, and that's not a big consideration if um, uh, an entity um, wants to join. So to conclude, what would be your top three arguments that work best to attract new industry members in this project? The first one is probably around the ability to pool resources and risk. So the same thing that we, we had with Pharma Ledger, you know, everybody's contributing, 
and uh, and we're 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 working collaboratively on a common on a common goal, right? So it's not that each company is off doing their own thing, and that's really what blockchain is about. It's it's about you know focusing on problems that cannot be solved alone. These the uh, Novartis or Roche or Johnson and Johnson can't solve uh, counterfeit medicines on their own or something like this. This would only be uh, uh, impacted or they can only be influenced by really a joint common approach, not only from the industry, but also from uh, law enforcement and, and, and health authorities and governments, you know, so, so it's really, yeah, it's how do we address these problems that cannot be solved alone? There, here's a great way to pool the resources and the risk. And then finally, when this value creation starts kicking in, then the members are, are going to be early recipients of the benefits here. Um, we, we say in a blockchain, right, or in a digital trust ecosystem, it's about mutual benefit, right? So there's, there's got, it's got to be a win-win for everybody that's involved. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a business case for it. Otherwise, people wouldn't do it. So um, we think that uh, those that are there um, will benefit from being early adopters and realizing the value creation early. And 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 maybe just one more thing. It's like uh, we've been on this journey now for five years, or maybe Marco, you've been on this for ten years. No, you've been. Uh, this takes time. Um, it's it. This it, it truly is a journey, and and ultimately we're talking about a paradigm shift uh, that has to happen in you know to be to get convinced that this is going to be the future, and and to see that it just doesn't happen overnight, uh, and it doesn't happen happen especially you know if we have um, things like um, crypto exchanges crashing uh, or or a Bitcoin you know diving. Um, this is a uh, uh, not good generally for blockchain as a topic and everything like this. So it's a great way then to come together, to exchange opinions, to talk to peers, and to accelerate the digital journey and learning in in your organizations. That's that's really one of the the big benefits that it, that it also brings. Well, Daniel, Marco, thank you so much for participating on this show. It was a pleasure having you. We wish the best of luck to the Pharma Ledger Association, and we are looking forward to the deliverables of the project. Thanks very much, Anka. We, we, we'd be happy to come back and, uh, you know, in a year or something and, and explain and show where we're at or, you know, or, or, or what progress we've made. Hopefully we're on the fast track and, we, and the, the products have traction and uh, we have uh, attracted more members. But um, yeah, we're optimistic. Nothing to add. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you both so much. I hope today's episode was useful. As always, I will see you soon for another Web3 adventure in healthcare.